Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She was Grizabella in the original Broadway production of Cats. So welcome, Heidi Stallings, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and talk about everything Cats. I uh, loved, I mean, for everyone who got to see the, the live show that we did was was great, but I don't think we got to really dig into a lot of stuff. So this is what today's about. So let's... Um, Let's start with, you have been in, I know, multiple productions of Cats. Yes. And so let's start with a little bit of just your Cats history. You started on the Third National Tour before you went on to Broadway. So tell me a little bit about your evolution of being in Cats. Well, my evolution, I have a a really unique relationship with it because if you go way back before I even got into the show, a friend of mine was in London in 1981 or 1982, and he lived in Los Angeles, and he sent me a cassette tape of the, of, the, of the show. I still have it. I can't play it, but I still have it. And he wrote a note in there and said, I saw this most fantastic show. I've never seen anything like it. It's Cats, and I think you'd be a great Grisabella. So, of course, I was like, oh, okay, because I love Andrew Lloyd Webber, and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is, like, my favorite of all of his works. Uh, I have a special connection to that because it was the first album I bought with my own money. Um, so I w- it was on my radar, and uh, I was curious about it. And so I was lucky enough uh, to have a very good relationship with the um, casting director, uh, Andy Zerman of Johnson, Lipton Zerman, who were the casting directors for all the British shows. And... Um, I auditioned and auditioned and auditioned, and um, he called me and he said, we'd like to put you into the second national, which is closing in Boston, uh, as the understudy so you can learn the part so we can cast you, because they really wanted me to do the role, but they had to wait for it to open up. I went, yes, I will go to Boston. I will learn this part. And I'd done Evita in Boston, and I'd done Zorba in Boston at the Schubert, so I couldn't wait to go back. 
and see all the people there because I knew them. And it was like, it was this exciting time. And I learned, they taught me the, the show there. I learned that uh, the Trevor Nunn version. And we talked about that a little bit before, but there, um, not that there's different versions, but that the Cats 3, when I went into Cats 3, when they called and I was doing, um, I think I was doing Jacques Brella's Alive and Well Living in Paris in Virginia. And Andy Zerman called me. He said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm doing Jacques Brel as Alive and Well Living in Paris in Virginia. And he said, oh, well, he wants you to go into the third company in March. Are you going to be done? I said, yes. So um, I went into the tour um, as Isabella. And that the person who um, was overseeing that production was David Taylor. So the show, because it was a, it was a, it wasn't a first national, it was a smaller production. It was the same staging and everything, but it wasn't as gigantic as um, the first national or the second national. And so there were some, some differences, a little bit of differences. And I think that's where a lot of uh, people have different ideas of backstories and we get into all that fun stuff about who is Grisabella and who is Tumble Brutus and who is Victoria and what's really going on. And so then um, I did that and then I went into the Broadway company. So, and then I had the opportunity being in the Broadway company I, to work with Trevor and Jillian and Andrew. So it was really exciting time for me. I absolutely love that your introduction to the show, because I asked this question a lot, especially with the like 2016 revival or some of the newer um, tours where they were on, um, they were introduced to the 1998 movie. And you know, I've asked some of the National Third Tour. There wasn't no, there wasn't a 1998 movie because it hadn't. You know, this happened before 1998, and so I love that your first introduction was a cassette tape mailed to you. That is not something I have heard. That is a really fun way to kind of be like brought to the show and knowing that's like that's something that I could do. And almost you get to, you get to experience it in a different way because you get to experience only the music of it first before you actually got to see it and be in it that's a really kind of unique piece well that's how i experienced like that's how they did like when they did jesus christ superstar it was a concept album before they they did it on stage and evita i did evita i played eva perone in the national of evita and the same thing with evita it was a, it was a concept album before they actually staged it. So I'm kind of used to doing that with Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. So it was kind of natural to me. But I think it, I thought I, it was like so neat to get that cassette tape. And it, it was like, what is this? And yeah, so it, it, it's unique. And then I got to hear it. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I have to sing that song. I have to. So that's, that's incredible. I, and I, I just love that. I'm sure there's people listening to this who can't fathom you know, a non-social media world or a world where there's not some version of the video and audio together to, to watch. So let's go though to your Broadway. You now get and you're on Broadway and you're, you're performing as Grizabella. I would love to hear a little bit about what it was like learning from, you know, from, from Trevor and, and, and Julian and Andrew Lloyd Webber about this, this production in particular about Grizabella. Well, the, I have to say to give, you know, um, kudos to the people that I worked on, on the tour with, uh, the tours with, that they, they also, this was coming, a lot of it was coming from uh, Trevor and Jillian and Andrew Webber. So um, 
a lot of the uh, initial, um, initial, I guess, introduction to the show and to the role was um, similar or exactly what uh, the original creators wanted. I think uh, for me, which was fun, was when the original they would come back and they work with us. And what I loved about Jillian Lynn is that she understood because it was such a physical show that you think that you're doing it, you think you're kicking your leg up, up at your ear and you're not because you've been doing it over and over and over and over again. So she would come in and kind of change things up a little bit, like she and because she could because it was her choreography. And she would change it up, and instead of reaching on five, I would reach on, like, three to make it uh, fresh and new. Uh, That was really a gift. And she also would just kind of change some things. And I remember at one point, it was a year because we just had the Olympics, right? And it was an Olympic year, and she decided to add some more tumbling in it because she said, darlings, that's what the, the audience wants to see. Don't you think? It's a... It's Olympic here. Let's do that, shall we? You know, so it was just wonderful to watch, for me, to watch her create. And, and the same with, with um, Trevor Nunn did, does not speak loudly. He's very quiet and he's very conversational and he'll say, let's have a go at it, shall we? And it's very easy and just simple. So some of the things that he had taught me were, were things like um, when Grisabella walks in, the initial walking into her remark, it's as if he said she wants just to come in and just kind of be there and not necessarily uh, draw any attention to herself. But what does happen is that she walks in and they sense her. And so it's as if everybody's at a party and they're having a really, really good time. And, um, the phonograph is on and there's a, uh, and somebody lifts up the needle from the phonograph and the music stops and everybody looks and there she is. And it's this moment of, Oh my gosh. Right. And the moment for me, that's key because it's the first, uh, introduction that, the cast or the, I mean, the audience has to the character. Everything's fun, 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 and, you know, we're going to do this and do that, and people are jumping around, and all of a sudden the music gets very serious, and all of a sudden this being comes in. And the audience doesn't really know that she is Grisabella until they sing about that that is Grisabella, but I think the audience knows that, uh uh-oh, here comes trouble, right? And so I think trying to uh, distill that character into 15 minutes because she's on stage for 15 minutes total and to be able to tell the story uh, is really, really fun. And it would change nightly, but I, I always knew because other certain cats would look a certain way at me or uh, a cat wouldn't one night. Uh, but I do think that Isabella's focus in that is is Monkestrap, and I believe that she had a relationship with Monkestrap, and she's the one that sings "Remark the Cat" right at him uh, and walks right towards him. 
-hmm. And the way it's staged is that she she reveals her, she opens her coat. And it's it's a a sexual uh, overture, is what it is. And she opens her coat and reveals her body to him. And uh, so Jillian really uh, directed the show and choreographed the show uh, in a very sexual way with all the cats, because cats are very sexual, and they're very sensuous, and they're not self-conscious. And so uh, that was really the takeaway that that Jillian um, gave me, uh, but also that's her background in, she was a prima ballerina, and a, a great ballerina. She had roles created for her by Frederick Ashton, who was a great choreographer. Uh, so she was famous for her dr- dramatic role she did in the ballet. So she, she really knew what she was doing. Um, and that small little dance at the end of the, the first act is her favorite part of the show because it's the part of the show where it really talks about or lets the audience know that she really, Grizabella is trying to remember the dance and she's trying to compete and she knows that she has to go in front of Deuteronomy and and try and uh, you know tell her case of why I should be reborn and I think when you do that dance she's trying really really hard to do it but it just doesn't feel right she can't do it anymore uh, and there's no one there to she's so alone in that moment but that that dance is what brings her to that moment when she sings the, the little memory, the first time she sings it, and her feeling of complete aloneness and not knowing what to do or where to go. So she escapes into her memory. Uh, and then Trevor was just inspiring on every level. On every level, he would bring Shakespeare in, he would bring um, you know, Greek theater in. But uh, you have to realize, and I think it was in the late 60s, he took over as artistic director for the Royal Shakespeare Company from Peter Hall, Sir Peter Hall. So I think Trevor was maybe not even 30 years old. So he is, uh, Trevor Nunn knows more about theater than anybody I've ever worked with, maybe except for Harold Prince. But this working with him was thrilling and uh, he never, he always wanted you to find your way into the character, even though it's choreographed and I was a replacement. And I worked with many um, people. Of course, we didn't work, didn't work with Trevor very often because he did, they didn't come in very often. It was the production stage managers that helped us. So Dan Hild was one of the uh, first people I worked with that was really, really um, extraordinary and really helped me with the role. I think the, the challenge with Grizabella is that, um, and I think this was interesting because I they, they never tell you what she is, they always tell you what she isn't, which is smart. So they say she isn't a bad lady, she isn't dead, she isn't dying, and she isn't old. And that might be the first thing you'll think. Well, she's an old bad lady, which is not so interesting. And so that makes you, uh, as an actor, think about, well, who is she and what is she? And what do other people say about me? 
because they, Baum and Demeter sing Grisabelle the Grammar Cat to me. But I sing remark before anybody, I say it before anybody else can say it. I, I have the, I have the, I say it first before they can make fun of me. It's very interesting. And so, um, just, you know, just working, just working moment to moment and understanding the character, but also these three people are so, um, and also all the production stage managers I worked with and all the dance captains I worked with, uh, extraordinarily talented people that kept it alive and reminded me, you know, Heidi, you're rushing this or take your time looking at Monkus Trap because you do it so much, you think that you're doing it and you're not. That was a lot. It was, that was pretty long-winded, but um, it was a great question. So, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's great. I um, I wanted to hear from a, a little bit more about. I love that hearing that you you're told what what she's not, but not who she is, and I think that that's a really interesting piece. And then another part of that is of that is, is that you said that you really only get 15 minutes on stage, which I I think you said that in the. The live mm-hmm. show, I didn't. I don't think I put that together of how. I mean, it makes sense, but I don't think I really realized how little time on stage Grisabella has to make an impact. So my question for you would be, who in your eyes is she? How did you, as a you know an, an actress, fill in the blanks, and then how did you try to convey that message in fifteen minutes? Well, that's what the actors do a lot of times because you have to look. The first thing you do is look at the text. What does the text tell me? Um, and then what does she, what does she say? What do I say? Um, why do I say it? And there's not a lot of text, right? There just isn't. So, um, I always go to, uh, plays. I always will do that because I'm an actor as, a, as well as a singer. And I was trying to think of who, what plays remind me of Grisabella and how can I, kind of maybe find an entryway into that character because symbolically she's, you know, the fallen woman uh, or she's the prostitute perhaps, or, you know, she's also the prodigal daughter, the prodigal person, I guess, uh, coming back. There's an element of that too. She's an archetype and it's very hard to play an archetype. You have to find that reality so I went to Tennessee Williams first because of his poetry and his poetry as a, as a playwright. And then I went to Blanche Dubois, who, because of her experience, uh, and she's haughty and she's proud and she's, there's, there's a lot of similarities between Grisabella and Blanche Dubois and that she will escape into her memory to survive. And the other uh, really big uh, iconic uh, character was Norma Desmond. Again, another woman who time has passed by, living in her, in the past, living in her memory and her dreams, but she's very strong. She's nobody's fool. And that's the thing with Grisabella. Grisabella at times has contempt for the fellow cats, I think because they don't get it. Um, and so I went there first. Those, that's where I went. And then I thought about T.S. Eliot, who is one of my favorite poets. And I love the love song of J. Alfred Proofrock. And I thought about 
indeed, he wrote this this piece or the the Opossum's Book of Practical Cats is just a, his poems, and it was created for children. So there's no stage directions telling you this. There's no character description. There's nothing, right? So I would. I, that's how I started to create her. And the other thing I always do is I look at the designers. The designers are geniuses. This is John Napier is a genius. And he designed the costume. And he designed the makeup. And I just looked at what he created. And Grisabella is the most human of the cats. She wears heels. Everybody else is in flats. She has human hair. Her wig is human. There's a little bows in it, like the Baby Jane thing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She has a dress on. She literally has a dress. It's a, it's a beaded dress, hand-beaded dress. That's what she has on. She has a boa around her neck, and she has stockings, and one they're falling down. So what is John Napier telling me? What is, what is the designer telling me visually? Brilliant. It's just, don't you think, Mike? Isn't that brilliant? It's just like, it tells me everything. And her, her coat... It is. Her coat is like the Elizabethan, you know, um, collar. That she is a queen. She is the queen bee. And the minute you look at that, you can't like, oh, okay. And then, so I looked, and then makeup. And her makeup, and her makeup is, she had like these, makeup is that it's running from her crying. That's why she has those little things there, is the idea that she's crying. And then a lot of Isabella's think she's bleeding in her mouth, but I don't think she's bleeding. I think that she's just kind of like, like, you know, like in her life and just kind of, she's uh, just kind of distracted and she just rubs it. She just, it's smeared. I think it's just, she just smeared it. I don't think that it's blood. I think it's just her not being totally together. That's what I think it is. What is, what is so fascinating about that and getting to hear you kind of go through that, uh, your, your thought process by that. I think a lot of people are going to find this really interesting to hear. Because I, it's it's what a as not an actor or an actress it's it's what you have to go through in a role that's still relatively fresh and you know it's as even though there were a couple tours before and there were some productions before there's still a lot of you know you're not told a lot what you what you've said whereas what the way I got to look at it is I get to look at forty years worth of it 
And so I'm watching 40 years worth of different productions and different things and interviews and all the rumor mills and thousands of fan fiction stories and everything in between. So when I kind of take the breakdown, it's a different interaction. So it's really interesting to hear your version because of what you had to do to, to succeed in the role versus what me as just a fan who can watch can do to try to analyze this. And so I want to now switch gears with you on the part that I've analyzed probably the most. And I think we talked a little bit about how we have a little different opinions on this, or these are things that you hadn't played necessarily. But I, I want to talk about the relationships with other cats, because I think I mentioned in the live show a couple potential children, which you didn't mm -hmm. think were the case. Mm -hmm. So I think you just said that that Monk is kind of the best, the biggest relationship. But what other relationships did you play, whether whether it was sexual relationships or family relationships um, for Grizabella when you performed as her? Oh, great question. Um, Jelly Lorem was a big one. Jelly Lorem was a, a dear friend of mine, I think. Uh, Jelly Lorem, actually, when I come in, she the kittens are curious about me, and she shoes them away. She protects them. And then she shoots me a look like, I can't believe you're back here. You know, you left us. And I think that uh, because I left, that leaves a lot of, you know, they don't know why I left. Or maybe some people do know why I left. But it, when you leave a tribe or a family, there's a, there's a lot of un, unresolved business. And you come back and that's, it's hurt, you know, that's hurtful. It, it, they're angry. They're um, jealous. I don't know. But there is a lot of that. I know Bomb, Bomb Ballerina, the relationship I had with Marlena Danielle, and she was the original, right? She, oh, phenomenal, phenomenal actress, phenomenal singer, phenomenal human being. Um, she was like, do whatever you need to do, girl. That, that was kind of who she was. She's like, okay, you're here. It's fine. I'm glad you're not dead. It was sort of like that. I mean, she was. She didn't really get in my way. Uh, Cassandra, oh, forget about it. I mean, she would, like her eyes, if she could have killed me, it would be like, uh, I remember she turned around and just. Um, and, of course, Monka Strap is, is really the thing. Um, and uh, Syllabub. Because Syllabub is like a, a, I think she's a grizz in training <laughs> a little bit. I think, I think that, I think grizz sees herself in Syllabub and I think Syllabub kind of could go either way as opposed to, you know, Victoria, who is symbolic of purity because she's a white cat. Um, but Syllabub has a, she's a little bit, she's a little bob belly. Huh? McCavity? I don't. I don't worry about my cavity. It's sort of like, I don't know, it's kind of like, I feel like um, Glinda the Good Witch, be gone, you have no power here with, with my cavity. And he's the Lord of the Underworld. One, one rumor with McCavity that I think is interesting for your characters is that McCavity is the reason Grizabella leaves and goes on this dark path. And I think, I, you know, that was one thing I had definitely potentially interpreted versus I think, you know, when we did in the live show it was more about how Grisabelle went to maybe, you know, went to LA instead of London or whatever, went, went somewhere else to try to make it and didn't make it versus being almost brought into this negative world by McCavity. Well, I don't think Grisabelle left to be on Broadway. I think Grisabelle left because she 
she was talent. She had, she wanted to be her own woman and she didn't think that she had any potential to live to her potential within the structure, the patriarchal structure of the, of the junkyard. That's what I think. So she left to find a, a better okay. way. She wants a better life. She wants, she wants to live to her potential. And I think that it was much rougher out there than she realized it was going to be. Um, which I think because I see her as, you know, a, a very beautiful woman, a very, she's Grizabella the glamour cat. That's how they, that's how they describe her. Uh, but along with that glamour comes probably some haughtiness, um, some um, I'm better than you. Uh, but I think underneath there, I'm, she might hide her natural warmth. But I think that, I think she's one of those women that has, you know, a natural warmth that she gets taken advantage of a lot, maybe. And made some really bad choices. And things just didn't work out the way she wanted them to work out. And if I were going to go to a play, I would go to Nora in Doll's House. I, we don't know what happens to Nora when she slams that door and leaves everything, which is pretty scary, but she did and very brave. And it caused a riot in the theater when she did that because people don't do such things. You don't leave your husband in 1899. Um, and she comes back. That day, that, that day, like why today? And as an actress, I have to ask myself that. Why today? Why is she coming back today? Because today she knows is the Jellicle Ball. And today is the day that she might have another chance to be reborn and come back and have a better life. And that's what fuels her coming back. Wow. Wow. That is super, again, it's a... Uh, it's so it's so thoughtful and and especially as the person who has very different ways of having maybe my mind is i guess thoughtful but in a very different way of thinking about the show um is it, it's so unique to hear and i think that's the beauty of the show is that there's so many different perspectives exactly of this, that there's just millions exactly. of ways to interpret it because that's what they don't tell you right they want you to find your truth that's that those the creators were so brilliant in that, because yes, if if that's what resonated for me, and they gave me the freedom to do that, which is a gift. So each Grizabella is different, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really thrilling. I think instead of trying to fit into like a cookie cutter, you have to do this and this is what she did or whatever. Um, it was really an interesting um, process, and also doing it for, you know, in many different ways for different audiences and stuff, I would try to find other inspiration. And there was a, I don't know if you've seen this movie, it's Naked by Mike Lee. It's a really, really great movie. Um, and there's a, a very short scene in that movie, and, and the woman is called Woman in the, in the Window. And it's a woman, an older woman, and she just is trying to look pretty and trying to get ready and it is maybe 45 seconds and i saw it with then my husband and um i went oh my gosh that's grisabella and it inspired me so I, I found inspiration you know 
daily. Uh, or I would find it in other people's performances and think, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. So that's what's fun about it because it, it's not it's not like painting by numbers. You know, it was it was always alive. It was always happening in the moment, and that was a real gift. And I I credit yeah, the, yeah. the original creators yeah. of it for that. So let's do a little bit of rapid fire. Let's do a couple <laughs> questions I like to ask everyone. So if you okay. were not going to play Grizabella, if you could play any other character, which character would you want to play? Me, just Heidi, just personally. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, if I if what. what I think I play Jelly Lorem because she gets to do griddle bone because she gets to be the opera cat. I would do that. Love it. So you play your best friend. Come in and play your best friend. I would come in and play my best friend. Yes. Who are your favorite and least favorite cats? I don't have any least favorite cats. But my favorite cats are um, the white cat, uh, Gus. Um, Syllabub, as I mentioned before, Bomb, Valerina. I like Tantamile a lot because she's such an incredible dancer, uh, and she doesn't have a lot to, you know, vocal, a vocal line. She sings a couple of vocal lines in the, in the opening, but she doesn't have a real strong, um, written presence, but her presence is there very much. She's part of the twins. And I always loved watching that. And of course, I want to be Tugger. Who doesn't want to be Tugger? You get to be like, you know, Tim Curry, you know, or Mick Jagger. I mean, you get to, I mean, that would be so much fun to do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those are the ones that pop, pop for me right away. The I love it. What about your favorite the song from the show? Memory. Of course. No, and I've never thought, actually, I really like Remark. I just like singing it. I think it's really fun to sing it, and it's really intense, and it's really fantastic. But if I if I were going to choose another song, I would probably be The Moments of Happiness. Because it's so, like, it goes around and around and around. It's ineffable, you know, as they say, effable. You can't get, you can't get your, you can't wrap your brain around it. It's and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, so I think that one, yeah. Moments of happiness. Okay, so this is a question that that is a little different. So okay. if you take the characters, I want you to think about and tell me which character do you think would be thriving in the '80s when you kind of first started with cats, and which character do you think would be thriving now? Meaning, if you stuck the cat's personality in those eras. Who would be winning life? Oh, who would be winning life? Well, you know, I think of the eight, or 80s or the 90s. I, I mean, because Monkey Strap is so like, you know, he's such a, he's a leader. And he's, he's really by the book. But he's not, you know, and there's a, I mean, like the Wall Street, that whole Wall Street thing. I don't know. I think Monkey Strap would do good in the 80s and 90s. I love that you went to Wall Street for the 80s and 90s as a good way to do it. Because everyone, what you just said is a lot of people go to Tugger for the rock, you know, the rock ages. But going to Wall Street and I could just see Monk, you know, suit and tie up, getting yeah, ready to go you? into, yeah, you know, absolutely. to go day trade. That's what I mean. I mean, 
if rock and roller is always he's always relevant, right? I'm thinking, but he would, but if it was Tugger in the '80s or '90s, he'd be um, simply irresistible. Who's that guy who did that? I can't think of his name right now. It'll come to me. He he would be cool, you know. He'd be very cool and laid back. It's different. Uh, Robert it's Palmer. Robert Palmer. That now that would be fun, but he'd have to morph into a Robert Palmer. You know, that yeah, be- you said Mick Jagger, which is kind of the way I thought about him. Mick Jagger or Bowie or somebody like in that in that frame. So I, I, think- I do think he does fit in that era. Well, what about today? Mick Jagger is still alive today. Who who would who would survive today from cats of, of those 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 icons? Uh, well, more, you know- I guess the question is more of if if you stuck the cat in today in 2021, which cats like personality wise is probably enjoying themselves i've heard a few different fun answers to this um and so there's some always a bunch of ways to take it but i always love hearing because i had not heard monk wall street well i go to wall street in the 90s because yeah that's what was going on here in new york um 2021 2021 it's all about right now it's all about um influencers and you know how many how many followers i have and um trying to it's all about TikTok and film making films right i don't know i that's you flummoxed me i don't know i have to think about that well where you're going is the most common actually answer i've heard which is either bomb or victoria or somebody doing that being an influencer and building a following for TikTok and youtube and everything else well, Bomb would do that. I think Bomb Bomb probably would do that. Then that's what I. But then I think I always go. To, I go. I go to the other side of that more for like the whole gender idea that's happening now, which is exciting and Black Lives Matter and and all of this really exciting work of um, EDI, equity, diversity, and inclusion. To me, that's really exciting right now. Um, and I'm trying to think of which cat would be the person that would really lead the way for that. They have to think about it. But I think that that's for me. That's what's happening right now. That's that's where we're going to. Definitely. So um, the influencers and all of that—that's fine. But I mean, if you, if you can't tell, I was I always go to like the very serious deep end of something. I'll I'll find that in like a tuna fish sandwich. You yeah. know? But it's like, I'm just, I think that that would be, who like be, be you know, it might be, it'd be Deuteronomy, but Deuteronomy, because he's kind of all-knowing, I, I just, and he would have a lot of followers and a lot of people would follow him. A lot of people would, he's such, he's such a leader because he's not just a leader, he's like a Gandhi, you know, or a, a Nelson Mandela or a John Lewis, you know, he's, people would follow him. Completely. He's almost a, he's the cult leader, but not, you know, in in more positive light uh, in this way. So, okay. I've got to ask you my last question. Okay. The million dollar question. And I know you've, you've given your defense for Grisabella. So I'm going to ask the question a different way. Cause I've argued that I don't think Grisabella should be the joyful choice. And I know that you do think she should be. So my question to you instead is why not Gus? Because Gus hasn't given up his ego yet. He's still stuck in being an actor. The reason Grisabella was chosen is because she gives up her ego. She says, I I need you. Help me. Help me. Touch me. 
you know, she can't say it. Suddenly, that's what she couldn't say until then. She could never admit that she was vulnerable, that she that she needed, right? So she's given up her ego. She's let it go. Gus is still holding on to that. You know, that if she if she didn't show up, he would go. I think because he's he's old, and the other cats too. They're young, so they they have other opportunities to to, to go. If if I if I was playing Deuteronomy, right? It's like, well, Victoria's pretty young. You know, she has, she has, she could go, but who really needs to go and try again? Who's made the most mistakes? Who's lived, who's lived through something that they know there's a better way? That's taken some risks. That's Grisabella. She left. Mm -hmm. So she gives up her ego and then they go, okay, you can go try again. So I kind of do, and I do appreciate that, which is by your criteria for Deuteronomy is that it's someone who has to be like, you know, on the older side, have lived life and need that next experience. And that pretty much only leaves you and Gus, Grisabelle and Gus. And in that scenario, it's Gus hasn't given up himself yet and is too selfish. So between the two, I'm only choosing between the two. That's why Grisabella choice. But I, I also think because also it's, it's her story. It's, you know, that's also just, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody, I don't see why, I can't justify, you know, if, if you're thinking about why you would choose, why someone would be able to be reborn or resurrected or whatever you would want to call it, to have another chance to get it right. I don't think anybody in the show or any cat in the show shows any, uh, Demeter is just terrified. She's just terrified of McCavity because he raped her. That's what we were, I was told. So she's just terrified he's going to come. But that's you know, and take her to the underworld. But um, that's an inter- that's interesting. I, I, that's my belief that she suffered the most and she has she's learned the most. That's why she had, that's why she's the most human. That's why her 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 costume is the way it is. So for that production. But I, I think that you could direct it definitely if you wanted to do your own production of it and, and have your own thesis, you certainly could figure, you know, have a really good reason for other people to go. That might be very interesting, actually. You know? Well, that is the root of this podcast is my thesis to try to change everyone else's mind and uh, whenever, maybe one day, rewrite the ending or, or completely have a Cats 2. But um, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. This has been so sure. fun to hear your takes, uh, hear about, you know, how you thought through the, you know, the production and through the character development, what, you know, you inspired you to do it. That's such a unique piece to get to hear. So thank you so much for taking the time today. You bet. I, I loved it. And I loved sharing that with, uh, whoever's going to be directing it or performing in it. It's, it's fun to pay it forward, so to speak. So yeah, thank you for having me. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.